Welcome back to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Starting off strong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Can I just say, we got a really great compliment about this podcast that I'm really proud of, which is that my agent said that he loves watching, watching, listening to this podcast. Thank you, Mark, if you're listening now. Mm-hmm. And that he said that he recommends it to his writers, his clients. Great agent. I mean, I was so touched by that. My reps have not commented at all about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them's been on the podcast. <laughs> True. My manager was like, oh, when she heard that from my agent. My manager was like, oh, yeah, I should listen to that. It's like, yeah, we have like hundreds of episodes. <laughs> yeah, there's, there, there's, I've met people who, uh, when I, they're like, how long, how many podcast episodes do you have? I'm like, I don't know, like 120 at this point. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're, but yeah, so we're trying to get out there. So that's why you need to, you know, like and subscribe to the like podcast. Like and subscribe. Um, also, DM us with questions, topic suggestions. You guys have really awesome things to say and questions that are coming up in your own lives and in your own careers. And we, we just love being able to help you if we can from our experiences and just discuss them either on the podcast or in an email, whichever you prefer. But you can reach out to us with these questions again or topic suggestions at act2writers at gmail.com or on our Instagram and Twitter, either one. Let's go. We uh, Just before this podcast started, you were giving me notes. I was. And I'm trying to get my brain off of those notes right now. I know. Now. Sorry. <laughs> They were great All I notes. want to do is break your first act, but... Anyway. All right. Today we are talking about Christmas movies in general and spirited specifically. Mm-hmm. But first, I wanted to ask if you had any this week's in writings. So I don't. I, <laughs> I, I had some things that needed to be submitted and they've been submitted. Well, do you want to talk about what you're having an issue with? Oh, with my... my... With your submission to writer's group? Oh, to my writer's group. Yeah. So... Uh, there is a script that I've been working on forever. And one day I'm going to get into this story because uh, something crazy happened with this script where we had a, a producer attached and then the producer was like, I'm out. And the producer moved just out of the country and we had been working on this. And I was like, what? And then naturally, you know, this 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 script is like my white whale, by the way. Yeah. This is this script that I, there's parts of it that I love there's parts of it that I don't love, but I'm so in it that it's hard for me to get out of it. So now I'm bringing the script back in the new year because it's something that it's it's kind. Of, I let it go in 2022. Now it's coming back in 2023, and I guess I've never liked my first act. And we've talked about how important first acts are. And there's I like I've I've read the first act. I'm like this is boring, and. I couldn't put my finger on what it is. And I've had writer's group give me every version that every version has sounded great. But I think what you were just nailing on, what was I doing wrong, Tasha? I feel like you articulated it so well. I think what what I noticed was that like the dialogue was fantastic. It wasn't that like the characters weren't interesting in the first 10 pages, but the scenes were just two characters talking in a room. It was mm-hmm. like two friends talking, and then the following scene was a 
the main character and her therapist talking. So again, the dialogue was all great, but it just ended up being the first 10 minutes of the movie are two characters talking in a room. And it's like, how can that be more dramatized? How can the things that they're saying in those scenes, which are all great things and set up the movie thematically and all of that good stuff, but how can that be dramatized in a different way so that you're coming into the movie with like a rush of, holy shit, this is what the movie is. This is the ride I'm signing on to versus starting the movie with two characters talking in a scene. Yes, that, that was, it was a, it was a great note because I think that might've, it might solve a lot of things. I think so. Because by the way, starting movies with two characters talking in a scene is not a bad thing, but Josh's movie in particular is this Amblin-esque adventure movie. And it feels like it needs to start with that kind of tone, introduce that tone. I agree. I'm sorry that I got you thinking about that now because I know that turning it off is going to be hard. (laughs) No, we're going to be talking about Spirited. I'm going to be like, and then uh, Emily comes home. (laughs) You're like, what? What are your thoughts Um, about this part? Um, (laughs) But yeah, so that the note there is figure out the most interesting way to have characters get out of just talking to each other. Yeah. So, you know. For anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I remember there's a scene in Tomb Raider where three characters are just talking and it's expositional and it has to happen because it's a transition to the next sequence of events. So you needed this conversation to happen. But I remember hating it because it's like it's just three people talking in a room. And I remember getting the animatic back and it was even worse, it was three characters just standing, facing each other, talking. <laughs> and I was like, we can't do this, you guys. Like, I had to talk to the director about, we need to make this scene more dynamic. Like, at least, like, this character has to have a point of view in this scene. His point of view is he's scared of the location that they're in. So let him wander the space. Let him look at stuff and be spooked. So that when two characters are talking, we can at least watch this guy do funny stuff in the background because he's in a place that scares him. This other person has a different point of view. Can he be moving in a certain way? So it's just like, even mm-hmm. in scenes like that, it's like, how can you just always make it more dramatic and dynamic? And that's just something to pay attention to. It is. I love it. It's a, such a, it is so, something that's so obvious, but you don't do it. Not totally. You, but people, like writers, we don't do it. It's, it's, it's something where you're like, yes, these people should be in a scenario that pushes the world forward as well yeah. as opposed to them yes. just um, yeah that's a great way of putting it um and it's also a fantastic transition to my this week in writing about <laughs> when you said that we writers know the things they should be doing and don't do them because my this in week in writing is about a really embarrassing failure of mine uh, uh which josh go. will definitely understand <laughs> So I started this other project and we started brainstorming, we meaning me and some writers in my writer's room, started brainstorming just general story for this thing. Like what are the overarching beats that we need to hit? What are the pillars of the story we know we want to see in this season of television? And the first question out of one of my writer's mouths was, well, Tasha, what is the theme of the season? Uh Oh, and I was like, damn he's speaking my language like why didn't i start there (laughs) right like why did i start with story pillars why didn't i start with theme and then he asks me it gets worse and then he asks me well tasha what was the theme of the first season that you wrote oh and i was like oh no (laughs) 
I was like, now you're putting me on the spot and I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for what the first season's theme was. And I was like, fuck. Because <laughs> Josh knows I am all about theme. Yeah. And so if I don't know the theme of a season of television that I just wrote, what is? <laughs> what am I doing with my life? And then one of the other writers chimed in. He's like, oh, well, you know, after reading the scripts, like, I think your first season was about trust. And I was like, yes, it's about trust. And then we discussed, I remember we discussed in early days that this was the theme. Like it wasn't, wasn't that I just didn't know it. It's that I'd forgotten it. Right? Sure. So like, this, <laughs> sure. we had definitely talked about trust. Likely the theme. story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think, I feel like the other writers saw you like deer in headlights look. Oh, 1 million percent. And other writer was like, you know, it was about trust. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he definitely <laughs> saved me. But yeah, so now I have to go back through my season because I had for, I think in the process, this is where the failing comes in, in the process of having to do all the other things you have to do as a writer, meaning make sure the characters are arcing, make sure that they speak believably and behave believably, that every scene is dynamic and fun and interesting and that all of the mythology makes sense and that scenes are moving <laughs> in the right, pay like having to pay attention to all the other things I had forgotten to write to the theme of the show. Mm -hmm. And so now I have to go back through all the episodes, do a final pass on everything, and make sure that every scene at least tries to touch on this topic. I love that. That's all. I'm so embarrassed. No, don't be embarrassed. It happens. I feel like theme is one of those things where it's it's really easy. It's it's so nuanced. It's very easy to get away from theme. But if you get too far away from it, then you kind of have to anchor the ship and come back to theme. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. But, you know, like, it's, it's, it is yeah. easy to get I mean, away I'll from it. I'll take that. Yeah, because when you're writing, you don't think... I almost feel like what you just explained in the... Is this the... Th you know, is this scene tying into the theme is this scene tying into the theme i feel like that is something you do after you write a draft two drafts three drafts whatever and then if you're yeah. having problems that's a question you have to ask yourself and then go back into it you know i don't disagree with you and i've heard a lot of upper level writers talk about that that theme tends to come kind of after writing it because you get you get across your story that's in your heart that you can feel you know the movie that you want to tell that you can see in your head you get that on the page and now in the revision process you can start sort of bulking them up or supporting them with this theme yeah. so that now that you have your skeleton you're starting to put in the muscle and whatever yeah. whatever metaphor it is yeah so <laughs> i'm going to take that and and feel better about myself well just to relate to this story then we move yeah. on. Another thing that uh, I've recently written, uh, producer and I, we were talking, he was like, we need to really lay into the theme. And the theme we ended up uh, really leaning into was like this fear of failure. And it's these this father and daughter, and they both have a fear of failure for different reasons. The daughter has a fear of failure because of her father, the father because of his own reasons. But the point being is I had to go back through this script and and this was an mm. action comedy, by the way, and mm -hmm. and really make sure each scene uh, their decisions were influenced by this idea of failure. Like mm -hmm. they're motivated by, oh, I'm going to do this because if I don't do this, I'm a failure. I'm going to fail if I don't do this. And it was really helpful at the end because it, it really it really influenced a lot of scenes. It started to change things. But for me personally, it was good to get those blocks 
kind of in place before I went back and did that. Okay. All right. So this is all to say you did fine. Plus you're writing Thanks. television. What can people expect from you? I don't know more, I guess. I just feel like What's I, the theme? Tell me the thematic value know. of each scene in a percentage. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Spirited, shall we? We're talking about Spirited because Tasha it's a holiday season and we could have talked about Home Alone, Die Hard, Home Alone 2, Home Alone 3, Home Alone Reboot. But oh, we did talk about Home Alone Reboot last year, I think. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> but we could have talked about any of these Christmas movies, yeah. but we decided to kind of keep it fresh and talk about Spirited. Yeah. So can I just introduce Spirited for those who don't know it? Yeah. Which, by the way, there are going to be spoilers in this episode. So if that doesn't bother you, continue to listen. If it does bother you, go watch it and have fun and then come back. Come on back. So Spirited is, according to IMDb, a musical version of Charles Dickens' story of a miserly misanthrope who is taken on a magical journey. It is directed by Sean Anders, written by Sean Anders and John Morris, stars Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, and Octavia Spencer, who was fantastic in it. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) let's start with what did you like about it? Okay. And also this is on Apple TV Plus. Thank you. Whatever the, yeah, it's on Apple. There's a lot that I really liked about it, actually. I should say that I love musicals. I love Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. And I like the, that they flipped this idea of making the ghost the protagonist, mm-hmm. which is different. It's like a what if idea. Like, oh, what yeah. if this, you know? So, and I really appreciated that. It was very heartwarming as well towards the end. I like mm-hmm. how it all uh, tied together. But my big thing was like, I love the comedy of it. I love the musical of it. I love the characters in it. And I like the fresh take on Spirited. The concept was fantastic. The concept is it's not really what IMDb said. It's that, again, there are spoilers. So it's that Scrooge, played by Will Ferrell, has died, and he has become a ghost in this organization in the afterlife that is tasked with doing exactly what happened to him. So like Jacob Marley, who visits Scrooge in A Christmas Carol and is like, you will be visited by three ghosts yeah. and you better change your ways or you're going to hell. Jacob Marley works in this organization in the afterlife and Scrooge is one of his employees and their job is to haunt other terrible people. One person a year. They always do one person every Christmas and Will Ferrell, who it plays the ghost of Christmas present, right? Yes. And then there's the ghost of Christmas past and then the ghost of Christmas future. So all, all of them kind of work together and they spend the entire year putting together this file on, or this profile on the person that they're going to change. And they build out whole sets of memories and stuff like that that they will then take this person to. And so they decide upon Ryan Reynolds, who is absolutely despicable and he is also irredeemable mm-hmm. and you get a hint early on that will ferrell you don't know he was scrooge until like middle of the movie like it's a midpoint turn yeah. but you you can tell that he's like i want to change the guy who's unredeemable and 
his boss, Jacob Marley, is like, we don't do that. We don't change the unredeemable. It's impossible. He's like, you know it happened once. And you're like, oh, did, Will, did it happen to Will Ferrell? Yeah, that was good. And so that's, it's just like, it's a cool, the way that like John Wick has the Continental Hotel for assassins, like it just felt like the concept of this afterlife that, that feels like a job where they change people was just really, really cool. But then <laughs> I I just feel like it meandered. Like, fantastic because then the overall concept is that will ferrell gets in there and then ryan reynolds who's a master manipulator that's kind of his big issue starts to manipulate will ferrell into hey you don't have to be this good guy all the time how about you don't be a good guy what kind of guy were you when you were alive oh you were scrooge holy cow doesn't it feel good to be scrooge don't you wish you were scrooge again and it kind of became this like dark movie where you're like, no, I signed on for a Christmas movie, not yeah. for you to like turn this good guy bad. <laughs> I love Christmas movies where the bad guy gets turned good. What are you doing to my Christmas movie? That's kind of how I felt. No, I, I agree. And it, you know, not to maybe jump ahead or wherever we're going, but what was interesting is kind of like the first half of the movie is Ryan Reynolds and kind of trying to change him. And then the second half of the movie is Will Ferrell, in a sense. Like, it, they almost flip in who the story is about. Because at first, it's mm. like, we're trying to change Ryan Reynolds. And then it's, we're trying to change back Will Ferrell. We're trying to get him into Scrooge, which I thought was really interesting as a structure. Mm-hmm. What I thought, my, you know, my biggest beef, I agree that it did kind of meander a bit. My biggest beef was, I feel like they didn't take themselves seriously with the musical. Yeah. And, and I... I and oh, this is, this right. This is such a small thing, but it was such a big thing. And it happened within like the first five minutes of the movie. There was a musical number. And then somebody inside of the uh, this this world, the spirited underworld or whatever, was like, what's happening right now? Why are they singing? And then like some other elf was like, it's a musical. They're like, it's a musical. We do musicals here. And I just, it it took me out. And it was so mm. weirdly meta, and I felt like it was like this insecurity of filmmaking. I can't even believe I'm talking like this, but like there was something about it where I was like, why wouldn't they just lean into it being a musical? And mm. it pissed me off, Tasha. Like you felt like they were, they didn't want to alienate people. So they were like, let's self-reference ourselves so that people know we're in on the joke that this is a musical. Right. Almost like when somebody is insecure about what they're doing. Like if I send you a script and I'm like, uh, yeah, here's the script I worked on for like five years, but whatever. It's my first script. No big deal. Don't care. Like you, you almost like undercut yourself and, and it allows people to, to not take something as seriously. Yeah. And, and I didn't, I didn't like that because I felt like they should have just completely leaned into the musical aspect and just made it a musical. Interesting. That's all. Because that was like the only time they did it. Maybe they did it once or twice. There was also a moment where Will Ferrell starts to break into song and Jacob Marley is like, no, we're not doing this. I'm not, we're not singing. Uh, yeah. I'll give you whatever you want. Just don't, don't fucking sing. Yeah. So there's a sense of like, oh, singing is so annoying. And then for me, that, that was like, is singing annoying? Am I right. supposed to think this is annoying or am I supposed to enjoy it? Because after that, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of annoyed. Yeah, right? It plants the seed. It makes the decision for you. Yeah. And I don't oh, like that's that. That's interesting. Yeah, so that was my... By the way, like I really like the movie. So it's what my rant just sounded worse than uh, worse than it is. But that was it. I just... I was I was like, dang, I wish... 
I wish they would have leaned in. They learned all these musical numbers. Will Ferrell learned how to dance. Ryan Reynolds learned how to dance. These are awesome. I love that song, Good Afternoon. And here they it's are talking about how, oh, God, music is so annoying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about why it meandered. Like, I feel like some scenes lasted too long, in part because they were improving. you can tell. Because when you get Ryan yeah. Reynolds and Will Ferrell in a room together, you let them do what they're going to do. And I totally get that. But whether it was the editing or the directing, like they weren't pulled back enough so that the scenes didn't feel tight. And I think the result is overall, it starts to feel particularly in act two when you're really charging through a lot of this story feels kind of sloppy. You kind of get bored. You're kind of not brought on the emotional journey as much. You're kind of taken out of it because yeah, the way that I can kind of explain it in my own head is it's like being on a roller coaster and if the roller coaster slows down repeatedly and then picks up again that's a very weird roller coaster that you kind of don't want to be on you want your movie or your show to be one continuous ride and yes on a roller coaster there are straightaways there are times where you're not doing crazy loop-de-loos and you're not doing fast turns but you're not slowing down and then speeding back up. It is one continuous ride. And this movie kind of felt like it was slowing down and then picking back up. And it just it just tended to take me out of it. Yeah. Um, I just want to be very clear that I love Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. Love like, Ryan Reynolds. Love, love Will Ferrell. And this movie was good. Yeah. No, no. I That's the thing. Is But I I agree with you that I feel like some of it was a little improv-y. And it, yeah. it, I, think, I think that contributed to a big part of the pickup slowdown, like a couple extra jokes here and there. and um, Because there was all these really cool elements that were happening. Like, for instance, in the, in the second act, Octavia Spencer sees Will Ferrell. And she's mm-hmm. like the first real person. I'm jumping ahead. But like those, there were like these elements to it that were so interesting that I was so invested in that kind of get sidetracked a little bit by one too many jokes maybe mm-hmm. scene being a little long and mm-hmm. um my point being is i agree with you yeah yeah that octavia spencer moment so there's a sort of a break in the logic where octavia spencer somehow sees will ferrell who is a ghost how the hell does she see will ferrell who is a ghost that shouldn't be possible and it kind of changes not kind of it does change will ferrell's arc in the whole movie because now he's fascinated by octavia spencer that he can she can see him and he wants to have a relationship with her but they never ever mm-hmm. <laughs> explain that yeah i missed it too that was one of my my notes that i had down like i was like i don't i don't understand yeah i mean i think there's a line somewhere where like it's just a throwaway line that the gro- the ghost of christmas past says it's because you wanted her to see you. Or mm-hmm. someone says that. It might be Ryan Reynolds. But then that, like, that, it's just, again, it's a throwaway line. And it's never really, like, is that why? Because yeah. Will Ferrell already liked Octavia Spencer. And so, like, if that's the case, this has never happened in his however many hundreds of years of doing this. Or decades of doing this. I don't know. That, that pit was weird. It's, it doesn't break the movie or anything. It was just a, just a small <laughs> yeah, no, it, spot. It, it, it was a question I had. I wrote it down. I was like, what, 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 what happened here? I don't understand. I would say my biggest problem was Ryan Reynolds was just Ryan Reynolds, which is fine. I love Ryan Reynolds. But it felt like the character should have had a bigger arc that took place over time, whereas in the movie instead, it felt like the character only arced at the very end. 
mm-hmm. because the entire movie, Will Ferrell is supposed to be helping Ryan Reynolds become a good guy, just like a classic Christmas Carol tale. He's showing him past memories that shape Ryan Reynolds into the asshole he is today. But Ryan isn't reacting the way most people do in these movies, which I think is great. It's really unexpected. It's fun. It's a great twist on A Christmas Carol. But because the whole movie just becomes Ryan Reynolds trying to manipulate Will Ferrell into becoming Scrooge again, like, there's no time. Like you say, like, the movie shifts and almost becomes Will Ferrell's movie halfway through. And there's no time for Ryan Reynolds to change and become a good guy, which I think is what you want from this movie. That was the promise of the premise, right? Is I'm going to change this irredeemable asshole into someone good. Well, he does kind of, I mean, he, yeah, you're, I, I agree that it happens pretty quickly towards the end. And by the way, there was like, I, I really liked like the Ryan Reynolds character. I like what, I love Ryan Reynolds. I love, and I yeah. love, Who I love watching Ryan Reynolds, but um, yeah, it does happen a little quickly. I feel like Will Ferrell changes more than anyone. Yeah. Does he? <laughs> Yeah, because, well, it's, it's, his arc is interesting because in the beginning, he basically states that he wants, like, a family and he wants two kids. Yeah. And he wants to go to the real world and see what it's like to have plumbing and this and that. And he gets it. Yeah. I almost wonder, would the movie have been stronger if he didn't state that up front? Oh, so it's like he loves his job, his Christmas present, and he yeah. never wants to leave. And then Ryan Reynolds convinces him, hey, like having a family is amazing. Being human is amazing. Don't you want to like drink again and feel showers again? And Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I yeah. actually think that would have been a stronger, like he could have been like, no, I don't want to say Buddy the Elf, but he comes in. He's just like, I love my job mm-hmm. more than anything. I get to change people and I never want to leave. Yeah. Although he does have that moment where he threatens to leave and they give him the option to leave. And then he's like, never mind, maybe next time. Yeah. There's something else too with this movie, particularly to that point where they're actually trying to do so many themes in this that I think that's partly where it gets a little crowded, but it's the themes are so good. So like, I, I wouldn't want this movie to not play with them, but the idea that Will Ferrell who you find out later is Scrooge, the, you find out that the reason why he chose Ryan Reynolds, who was unredeemable, mm-hmm. was because he wanted to see, he wanted to prove to himself that if he can change unredeemable Ryan Reynolds, then he really is a changed man. Because mm-hmm. what you learn is that he died very shortly after uh, A Christmas Carol takes place. <clears throat> so he doesn't know if he was actually changed by that night there's not enough evidence to support that and he's secretly afraid that he's still deep down a scrooge and he's not a good guy Mm -hmm. but if i can change ryan reynolds i can prove that i really am a good guy yeah and then ultimately what happens is like hey instead of doing it that way why don't you try and live the rest of your life like become human again and see if you are a good guy So there's that whole idea that he's playing with. There's also this great theme of that Ryan Reynolds kind of states at the end of the movie, which is that you can't just magically become a good person after one Christmas night. Mm -hmm. You have to choose to be good every single day and make new choices every single day. It takes work to be a good person. And I love that theme. I just wish it was in it more. (laughs) 
<laughs> I feel Again, like Again, they should have gone back and now that they figure out the theme and wrote to that theme. You know what? It sounds like what you're doing is you're making up for all of the theme that you didn't care about. <laughs> Projecting. <laughs> now, and now you're just making sure everyone knows about theme. I know about theme. I don't know about I, these guys. I care about theme. I know theme. I love theme. Um, oh man. Yeah, there were a lot of themes. Well, what's interesting about Christmas movies? I was thinking about this because I was like, "What is the theme of this movie?" And with Christmas movies, you kind of get away with. You get away with a lot because with Christmas, it's like this magical idea where in all these movies, it's like you either want to be with your family or you're trying to mm-hmm. be with someone or you're trying to change and you're trying to embrace the holiday because it it's that built-in magical time. And and so when I was watching it, it's it's kind of like the, the stakes are just built in. You're just like, okay, you want this person to be better because yeah. of Christmas. That brings me to my next question, just generally about Christmas movies. When you sit down to watch a Christmas movie, yeah. what are some things that you expect to get that if you don't get, you do not feel satisfied? Happiness. Yes. That's it. <laughs> Give me happiness. <laughs> I want people who change for the better. Like yeah, That yeah, is yeah. a huge one for me in Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. Are we talking like any Christmas movie? Are we talking like our spec Christmas movie, Die Hard Christmas movie? Like what, what? There, there's we have different levels of Christmas movies here. That's true, but in Die Hard, he changes for the better. That's true. You know what? In Christmas, I do think you have to you have to change for the better. You have to change for the better. That's part of the good feelings. It's like, oh yeah, this is what Christmas is about. The end of the year, you're reminded that you were a shitty person (laughs) and that you can make new choices in the new year and be a better person, be a better you. So Mm -hmm. that's that feels like a big theme that I love seeing in Christmas movies. Obviously good, happy feelings. I like seeing, because it's one of those genres where you don't get this often, but like, pure kindness and goodness in people like people who are just good and that's just who they are and like like it's a wonderful life has the angel in it who helps what's his face jimmy stewart jesus and he's just good all the time and it's so like even will ferrell in this movie i was so worried he was going to become scrooge again and even his when he sort of started reincorporating some of his scroogeness he was still Mm -hmm. genuinely a good person who believed in good things and i just that makes me feel really happy so i need those in a christmas movie this is a good question because i've yeah, if someone's setting out to write a Christmas movie, that 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 is something you want to see. You want to see goodness. Mm-hmm. You want that holiday cheer, just yeah. that general vibe of. I like I like the worlds. I like seeing snow and presents and Christmas lights yeah. in movies. At least I know that doesn't really have to do with screenwriting, but um, that no, but that's the world. Like if you're gonna write a Christmas movie. It better have hot cocoa and yeah. snow and Christmas trees and lights. Totally. If you're yeah, if you're writing an action sequence, it better fucking take place like around Christmas trees. Yeah. I can't even think of an example of I'm sure there's like dark Christmas movies that mm-hmm. I, I I haven't seen, but I'm I can't think of an example of um You've seen Violent Night, right? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I thought you did. 
No, no, no. Everyone's telling me to see it. What about The Fat Man with Mel Gibson? I did see The Fat Man. I, I didn't see... loved that movie. I think you... I don't know if you remember. I immediately texted you after seeing that and was like, holy shit, I need my Fat Man movie. This movie is incredible. <laughs> it has inspired me. Why didn't I write this movie? Yeah, those are movies actually that... Violent Night and Fat Man are two movies that just con- conceptually, you're like, I wish I wrote this. Yeah, How fantastic. did I not do it? Some fucking bullshit. I know. Excuse but even that movie, Fat Man, and I haven't seen it since it came out, which was last year maybe, but he was also genuinely good and so was his wife. Like he had mm-hmm. to do violent things, but it was all in service of doing the right thing. And he just wanted the world to be good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like that makes me feel happy, <laughs> even though he's like fighting people and killing them. Paul just literally texted me, by the way. Can we see Violent Night in theaters on this weekend? Really? <laughs> His ears were burning. <laughs> oh my God. I was just thinking, because Christmas is such a perfect time to flip a genre and be like, okay, now I'm going to have Santa Claus fighting people. Like that, that's a yeah. cool thing. It's so cool. I wonder if there's a version of like Halloween where Jason Voorhees is like taking care of kids in a daycare. A feel-good Halloween movie? That's not what I want for my Halloween movies. (laughs) Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, twins. In a dance number. Oh my gosh, a spirited version of Halloween. (laughs) But would would that version be, I'm trying to teach you to be a better killer instead of like be a better person? Oh, yeah. That would be (laughs) awesome. Like... You guys have been killing incorrectly this entire time. Yeah. You've been caught you. 45 times. Let me show you how to get away <laughs> with all this. You don't walk slow. That's not how you do this. <laughs> no, we, we run now. <laughs> That's old school, baby. <laughs> I like that idea. There might be something there. So you love musicals. Musicals in general, but musical yeah. Christmas movies in particular? Question mark? No, no, no. Just musicals okay. in general. How do you feel about dancing in Christmas movies? I love it. You love it. Oh my God. Yeah. Why? (sighs) Okay. So I've got beef. With dancing? (laughs) I think so. And I didn't realize it until just this year. (laughs) So. (laughs) Do you have have beef with the sun? What what else is going on? (laughs) I mean, I guess I do have beef in general with dancing at my wedding, which Josh was at. There was no dancing. (laughs) We danced. What are you talking about? (laughs) Once. (laughs) oh my god all right all right so okay dancing in christmas movies this is what happened to me it was very traumatic i turned on an animated christmas carol movie on netflix or something because i just wanted something in the background and the very first scene they are dancing in the streets and they're singing and i really tried to hang on because i don't mind dancing and singing i love musicals but the way that they were dancing was so sort of not organic to the mood and didn't Wait. fit with the song. Did it you was, say it was animated? It's animated. This is well, an animated this is, Wait, wait. A... This is the beginning of an arc. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So they're doing their thing, and I'm like, this is dumb. I The dancing doesn't make any sense to me. And again, I don't care if they're dancing. It's not that wasn't the problem. It was the way it was choreographed in the movie. I was like, nope, switch. And I turned to this live action Christmas movie called, I think it's like Jingle Jangle. It's with Forrest Whitaker. As like a toy maker. Yeah. And they started dancing and singing. 
And it wasn't, again, that they were dancing and singing. It's that they were dancing and singing the exact same choreography as this animated movie. Like the way their arms were moving, the way that their feet were moving, the way that everyone in the town was moving together as a unit was exactly the same as this animated movie. And I was very confused by that. And then cut to Spirited, and it was, again, almost the same exact thing. It's like someone decided this year that this is how we dance in Christmas movies. And I got upset by that because I want my dancing to be organic. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know how to tackle this. So, but how, so, so you want freestyle dancing. (laughs) I just, I don't want it to be unnatural. Okay, okay. Okay. Like, I just... I don't know how to explain it because I don't know how to choreograph things, (laughs) but everyone doing the same exact hand movements all the time and like that it's the same exact hand movements across these three movies made by completely different people and different tones. Why is that the case? I feel like what we need is new choreographers. That's what I'm saying. So I'm glad we're speaking on... (laughs) An industry that you and I have absolutely no idea about and 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 have no interest in dancing personally speaking. <laughs> so and we're giving notes to people. But maybe these are the best notes. Uh yeah. I, I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch Christmas movies and see if the choreography is I'm gonna say I'm gonna send you these two movies, and I want you to have my experience. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make a thread on uh, Twitter, like some conspiracy of Christmas choreography. Oh my gosh! Can I deviate and ask you a question? Uh, yeah. Could do you think there could ever be a Christmas musical action film? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna write one. <laughs> With. Could you imagine the beauty of guns flying through the air? People catching them, dancing around each other, shooting things. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I can't wait. I want to choreograph a movie. This is a new life Like you personally? Yeah. With no choreographing experience? You know what, though? Yeah? Not to get too far off track here, but if you give me someone who can dance... I feel confident that I could create a dance number from all the musicals that I've seen. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably going to look like what you just talked about. (laughs) I had the same thought. (laughs) But I'm just saying, someone find me someone who can dance, and I will produce a two-minute dance sequence. Okay. Okay. So I don't know where we just went on this podcast. I mean, I'm so excited for our Christmas spec that we're writing next year. Uh, we'll keep you all posted on how that's going. Um, to wrap it up, what would you say is your list of favorite Christmas movies? Like the movies you watch every year for Christmas. Well, I just want to say one last thing about Spirited. Yeah. Uh, I, we kind of touched on this, but I really do think there was a really beautiful message that I, I, there was a there was a sister who passed away, and then Will, uh, Ryan Reynolds he ends up uh, basically sacrificing himself as well at the end. And I feel like those kind of things really uh, you really empathized with them. So it, it's something to look at because I found myself feeling for Ryan Reynolds by the end of the movie. And when he died, spoiler, when he died, I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That's so that true. was that was a very interesting twist. Um, 
I just had to throw that last thing in because I did like Spirited. And did you ask about the Christmas movies? Yes. We've got Home Alone. Mm-hmm. We've got Home Alone 2. We've got Elf. We've got Die Hard. Okay. You know what? I, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I say it's Die Hard. Yeah. But I don't like regularly watch Die Hard. No, me neither. But I do love Die Hard, obviously. Obviously. Those are like my three big ones. <laughs> That's it. Interesting. Okay. Do I, have, do I even have a list of Christmas movies? I, I'll put on a Christmas story, but I'm not like in I've love with it. I've never seen that. Really? Because I've watched the first 10 minutes and got so bored. I was like, mm, switching to something else. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know. Oh, Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that's a great one. What, what's your list? I love the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Oh, my God. Of course, oh, Santa Claus. It. I can't. Yeah. I've seen all three of them and oh, the TV show. Yeah. It's so good. I Have you started the TV show yet? I, yeah, I just started it. Is it any good? I mean, listen. It's just nice to see Tim Allen as a Santa Claus. I know. I just hated the second and third movies so much. I just, I want it to be closer to the first movie. Yeah. So yeah, Santa Claus is on there. Scrooged is on there. Obviously, Bill Murray. I love the story of A Christmas Carol because it has the exact ingredients that I want in a Christmas movie of someone bad changing into good. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate the Jim Carrey animated one, but I love all the others. Mm. I love It's a Wonderful Life. I love all the cartoons of old, like the Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman, Peanuts Christmas, and mm. then, yes, Home Alone. Those are my go-tos. An- another really good one. I don't know. if Have you seen The Grinch? The Yes, The Grinch. A- not the... Not the- Jim Carrey one, the animated one. The old one? or the... No, the new one is ben- no. Benedict Cumberbatch. I've not seen that Benedict one. Is it called The Grinch? I think so. Yeah, I love it. I think yeah? it's awesome. Okay, yeah. I'll watch it's it this year. really fun. Um, yeah, The Grinch is great. It's a, good, it's a fun, it's a clever animated movie. Have you seen Klaus? No. It's an animated movie as well. I think you would like it. I have seen it. It's on Netflix. Yes. Yeah, then I've seen it. I recommend it. Did you like it? Uh, I did. Okay. Um, There's also two other movies on Netflix. The, uh, oh my God, I can't even believe I'm blanking on it. It's with uh, Kurt Russell. He plays Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christmas Chronicles. Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2 are both freaking awesome. Yeah, they're great. They're super fun. That's a a new one that, that really worked. Except for the singing dancing number. I don't even remember singing and dancing. And I think he even sings like Bruce Springsteen. And I was still out. And Bruce Springsteen, you know, I love Bruce Springsteen. You do love Bruce Springsteen, yeah. <sighs> I love Christmas movies. They're so good. I mean, that's it. That's why we just wanted to talk <laughs> about Christmas movies. No. <laughs> and have an excuse to watch Spirited. But I think, I hope this was helpful for anyone trying to write a Christmas movie. Um, breaking apart movies that are coming out now and breaking apart why they work and why they don't work will help you inevitably in your Mm -hmm. own writing of a Christmas movie. Yeah. There's actually, yeah, I mean, it transcends like the things we talked about today. You really got into theme, stuff like that. So let us know if you write a Christmas movie. Quote of the day. Quote of the day. Making people believe the unbelievable 
is no trick. It's work. Belief and reader absorption come in the details. An overturned tricycle in the gutter of an abandoned neighborhood can stand for everything. Stephen King. Wow. <laughs> Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Spotify.